Welcome to episode 12 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside look on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend and joining me again this week is my partner in crime, Anshul Sag. So let's get started with my first topic. Uh, Samsung released a white paper this week and they're publishing their vision and the, their initial plans for 6G. So we're not even in you know, to the, the majority of the 5G rollouts and they're setting the vision. Um, I'm not surprised, you know, I've spent some time with my alma mater, the University of Texas at Austin. They have a wireless networking group and they're also investigating 6G and the application of radar technology and that sort of thing. Um, Samsung calls out a couple of things that are not surprising. From an application perspective, and I want you to comment on this, Angela, because it's your, it's your area of focus. Mixed reality, that's no, that's no uh, surprise. Uh, mobile holographic, you know, experiences. Uh, it almost sounds like, you know, Princess Leia talking to, to R2-D2 on the, on the Star Destroyer there. But, uh, but the speeds are incredible. They're projecting, you know, a 50x that of um, 5G and latency in the microseconds. And so obviously that's going to uh, unlock a whole host of things. It's sort of their 10-year vision. Any thoughts on it? Um, you know, I think it's good to think about 6G. Um, I think it's too early to really do anything meaningful um, because we still haven't learned enough about 5G mm -hmm. and what, what things are missing from it that we want in 6G. Um, and we just, you know, we just did the 3GPP release 16. Um, so we're still quite a few releases away in 5G from really understanding what it can and can't do and mm -hmm. what we can accomplish. Um, I think the terahertz angle of it and being able to deliver, you know, many, many times more um, peak data rate um, is optimistic, um, especially since we still are struggling with millimeter wave yeah. um, and, and figuring out how to give coverage with that. Um, so I, I think it's very interesting, but it's very um, pie in the sky at this point. And um, I think it's good to think about, but I wouldn't give it too much weight at this point. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's get through 5G and uh, we'll focus on, on the next G. Well, let's shift to your, your first topic this week and it's around Verizon. So why don't you share those details with us? Yeah, so Verizon has been kind of pushing, they've been marketing 5G very aggressively, I would say more than any other carrier. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is, is that Verizon's network is millimeter wave, millimeter wave first, mm -hmm. um, which means that coverage is difficult. Yeah. Um, I would say it's meager, um, it's paltry. Uh, if you look at the coverage reports from, from places like OpenSignal, it's like sub 1%, mil, sub 1% coverage nationwide. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a fraction of a percent. So they have serious problems with their coverage and they've been advertising their 5G coverage as if you can get it anywhere. It's mm -hmm. nationwide and it really isn't. Right. Um, so they've actually been hit um, by uh, different organizations in the advertising industry about their unfair claims mm -hmm. and they're being self-regulated by the industry. Um, and they've been, they've actually pulled some of their misleading ads um, about speeds and coverage um, from TV commercials because they just aren't true. And AT&T called them out on it. Mm -hmm. um, and because of that, they're actually going to discontinue that 5G service is widely available in cities across the country and broadly and readily accessible in markets 
where it's launched because it isn't like it's literally a few hot spots in different parts of different cities so they really yeah. need to work on that we know they're working on it they're going to deploy dss by the end of the year um that won't really help much with speeds but it will help with coverage mm-hmm. um and yeah they really need to calm down on the on the actual marketing of it if they don't have something to deliver on it um yeah. and i think that they're you know marketing and reality are just disconnected here yeah, you know, and I spoke to an executive just yesterday. There was a, an announcement today around a partnership between Verizon and IBM, and they're leaning into uh, IBM's Watson platform. If you're a Jeopardy fan, you've probably <laughs> seen that on Jeopardy. But, um, you know, and it's all around mobile edge compute, um, you know, and putting 5G together with mobile edge to supercharge use cases. And um, she did mention that, and, you know, she kind of used COVID, you know, sort of as the proxy, but that uh, that they were they were aggressively expanding their millimeter wave coverage and you know a number of additional major metro areas. So I don't know if that's there's any correlation between what you shared and and what that executive shared with me yesterday. But yeah, certainly you know they need to be a little more honest about um, you know the, the advertising of that. So let's shift to my second topic. And I published a Forbes article this week on OpenRAN, and it's no surprise you and I have talked about on prior podcasts. Nokia being very aggressive, getting behind it. I think on last week's podcast, we talked about their uh, goal of delivering, you know, a total solution and interfaces, you know, by next year. We, we kind of cast some doubt there. What I, what I did is I did some research and I really dug into to OpenRAN, looked at the different initiatives that are going on through the telecom infra project, as well as the recent OpenRAN policy coalition um, group that was formed back in February and you know you know basically from the traditional infrastructure perspective you've got Ericsson and, and Huawei that are sort of neutral and you've got Nokia that's very aggressive probably for obvious reasons since mm-hmm. they're you know sort of in last place there and then you've got Samsung networks that's embracing it but Samsung has a tra- has had a traditional um, you know uh, minor position in RAN relative to the those infrastructure providers and then right. On the flip side, you've got the Cisco's, the Dell EMC's of the world, the Maveneers um, that that stand, you know, to you know address, uh, you know, not a new market, but expand potentially their reach into the service provider community and, and go drive it. And I think, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a panacea. I think it can reduce capex because you're virtual the network, but with that, you bring complexity, you're bringing disaggregated um, hardware and software together, and you've got to manage all that. So any savings on the CapEx side could be negated on the OpEx side. So I wonder if you have any, any opinion on this. I, I, think it's, I think it's important for ORAN to exist because, or OpenRAN, because um, ORAN and OpenRAN are not the same thing, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I've made that mistake before. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think OpenRAN is important because it allows for more competition in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why sure. maybe the, you know, certain governments have been um, pushing for it more because they see it as an opportunity to, to reduce CapEx. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, I think that we've had so much consolidation in the infrastructure market that there isn't much competition anymore. And there has been some stagnation and, you know, there's, basically like if you ignore the very small players three and that's really not great Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know having samsung come up and having others come up as well will 
will make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And um, I think 5G might actually be that opportunity for a lot of companies to um, introduce themselves into the market and, you know, op- offer different opportunities for, for operators to uh, deploy their net- networks. Yeah, no, good point. And just to reiterate again, I published an article on Forbes this week. It's uh, titled uh, Deconstructing uh, the Impact of, uh, of Open RAN. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, let's shift to your second topic. And uh, the UK finally weighed in. It looks like we've uh, seen them ban Huawei um, on, you know, within their networks for 5G. And there's going to be a rip and replace of the LTE infrastructure. Why don't you take us through that? Yeah, so... Um... That is what happened. The UK government um, have decided to completely ban the use of Huawei in all infrastructure. Um, And it's actually a reversal of what they had previously said, which was that they would allow up to 35%. Um, I think we actually had mentioned this on an earlier podcast um, that we were talking about, you know, 35% being a weird number and very Mm -hmm. arbitrary. Um, So at least the one thing is, is that um, this is a binary decision. Um, mm-hmm. If you truly believe that Huawei is a security risk, then you cannot have any Huawei in your networks. Sure. Um, that said, we still haven't seen any proof that Huawei is a security risk, um, which is part of the problem here because it looks much more political than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this was truly a security issue, then it would make sense. Um, the other thing is, is that this has actually started a, a, a clock now because um, after, I believe, December, it bans the purchase of all Huawei equipment and all Huawei equipment would need to be removed by 2027. That's so existing idea. gear already, ha- there's already plenty of existing gear on networks, um, but in order to be compliant with this order, um, companies must remove all equipment by 2027. Um, and that sounds like a reasonable timeline, if you ask me. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a decent amount of... Um, uh, equipment out there, you know, re- refresh cycles are not annual or even biannual. Um, so um, this would allow them to amortize the cost of whatever that equipment is and to also replace it with something new from another company that isn't Huawei. Um, yeah. Or I assume ZTE. ZTE is probably also in that um, uh, category. Uh, but the thing is, is that I think this is probably a good move in the sense that it's consistent. Um, but I'm just not convinced that it's particularly um, sound in the security aspect, just because we don't actually know what's happening on the security right. side. Um, but it is sound on the security aspect that it is removing a potential threat completely. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, you know, we we've heard at least from the U.S. government that you know to share the details would be a threat to national security. So it's sort of, you know, it's a, it's they're both threats to national security, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, you know, I'll give Wally credit, you know, they try to be transparent. They've opened cybersecurity centers in Europe as well as Shenzhen. Near their I still think they're going forward with the one in the UK. And yeah, and going forward with the one in UK. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, but um, there's probably some geopolitical, you know, motivation involved here, but Let's move on to my, my third topic. And today, actually, late breaking news, uh, T-Mobile uh, announced uh, a new service called ScamShield. And, you know, on the surface at first, I, you know, I thought, okay, robocall blocking, that sort of thing. They've had an offering in the past. This is actually a rebranded, um, you know, effort um, of an existing solution, adding some new enhancements. 
my, my big takeaways, and, and you and I uh, are publishing a Forbes article, it should post Friday, uh, we sort of weigh in on this, um, but you know, our, you know, from my perspective, what they're offering is free caller ID and, uh, and, the, and access to a second uh, phone number that, right. that you can use uh, because you know, the T-Mobile management on, a, on an analyst call today contended that your phone number has become almost like your social security number. It's personal. You, know, you use it for your rewards account. It's Best actually Buy. a huge security risk. Yeah, 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 and so so I agree. I mean, I, I think it is a security risk. I think what they're offering is um, is beneficial. I mean, typically, you know, um, caller ID service has been something that the carriers charge for, Which anywhere is from three to seven dollars. You know, per crazy to me. Yeah, so um, so T-Mobile sort of wants to democratize this. Offer it. It'll be interesting to see what uh, Verizon and AT and T respond with. Any any additional thoughts? I I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I, I think um, I'll make it concise though. I, I think that the number, the, the, the virtual number might actually be the most useful tool because yeah, yeah. what it's going to do is it's actually going to allow T-Mobile to capture a lot of these spam and um, scam accounts and right. be able to identify who they are before they actually reach your real number. So it actually yeah. like creates like a honeypot that kind of gives them like a, an opportunity to start capturing these guys and, and shutting them down before they ever get to a real phone number. And mm -hmm. I personally use my Google voice number like this. So like when I give people my number, I don't actually give them my real number because I know that my real phone number is tied to a, my, my actual phone that I use and some security protocols for two factor authentication use that number. And mm -hmm. if you know that number, then it becomes a problem because someone can try and do a SIM yeah. swap on you and, right. and steal your identity and then steal your bank account. So like, there's, there's definitely some um, aspects to keeping your personal number private and secret for as long as possible. Um, and I think that this is a good thing that they're doing. Um, I do think it's a little weird that it requires a special app. Um, mm -hmm. But um, the fact that it's free is, I think, a big deal and kind of resells the whole idea of an uncarrier adding more value, improving yeah. the customer experience. I mean, they're definitely giving up some revenue here. Um, you know, they have, they do have a premium service. So for an additional $4, you get you know, a couple of additional um, services on top of that. You can add that if you're, if you're postpaid only. So it, this by the way is available across Sprint, T-Mobile and Metro. Metro is obviously prepaid. So that premium uh, wouldn't be available. Uh, but if you're um, Magenta Plus, um, that enhanced service is included. So I agree with you. I mean, T-Mobile really sets the bar from a consumer standpoint on providing great value. Um, I'm eager to see as the companies come together what they do on the business side because that's where T-Mobile right. historically has been like. So and I think so let's, yeah. Yeah. I think they're comment. I think they're sorting, yeah, I think they're sorting out a lot of the consumer stuff. Yeah. Um because I think we're gonna see business stuff very soon. It just seems like they they they're still figuring out a lot of the business aspects because so much of that came from Sprint. Yeah, I agree. Well let's move to your your last topic this week and it's it's reliance on India. And, you know, they, they've been a, you know, a big disruptor with LTE and you've got some news yeah. to share on their 5G plans. Yeah. So, um, as you said, they've been a big disruptor on 4G. Um, they were the first ones to launch uh, a 4G only network um, in India and they, they rolled out incredibly fast and they, they gathered so many customers that I think they're the biggest carrier in India now. And they did yeah. it in like three years, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now what they're doing is they're going to launch their own 5G platform 
with their own homegrown um, equipment, uh, which is what they seem to be claiming. Um, like white box? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they haven't given many details. Um, they did also made an announcement about AR glasses or MR glasses, and they didn't give many details about that either. Um, so this was kind of like a, hey, we're doing it. We're not going to give you many details on it yet. Right. Um, they said that they'll be rolling it out in 2021. Okay. Um, and they said that they'll be doing it complete, a complete 5G solution from scratch. Um, right. And they'll be doing it homegrown. But I have a feeling they're still going to work with, you know, Google and, and, and a bunch of different companies to piecemeal it together into what they want. Yeah. Um, and they're going to roll it out next year. Uh, and it's, you know, they've taken tons of money from investors in the last three months investing in geos platform. So yeah. I have a feeling that there's a lot of investors because they want to get involved in this 5g platform and they've seen what, what reliance's plans are for the geo network. Um, yeah. And I think that they're sold on it because it's going to be, you know, an opportunity for operators. I mean, infrastructure vendors and for um, smartphone manufacturers and, service providers to, to get into a, a rapidly scaling network, right? I don't think anyone's ever scaled a network as fast as they did. And right. I think they're probably going to do the same thing with 5G. And it's going to be interesting to see how that works because um, I have a feeling that there's going to be less opportunities in places like China with more of the political divide happening where you may see China going China only vendor and mm -hmm. companies are going to have to look for another market. And I think a lot of them are seeing India as that opportunity. Yeah, no, I think it is. I mean, it's, it's the second fastest growing economy on the planet right now. And the challenge is um, subscriber, you know, affordability and that sort of thing as a developing nation. But yeah, with LTE, uh, they used a lot of software defined tools and um, ramped that network pretty quickly. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same with, with their 5G network. So, well, that wraps up another great podcast this week, Angel. Why don't you take us home? Sure. Uh, we hope that our viewers and listeners for this week's topics um, enjoyed our conversation. Uh, if anyone out there would like to reach out to us to provide insight on any specific 5G topic that they would like us to cover in a future podcast, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, Will is at WillTownTech, and I'm at Antrell Sog. We hope that you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next time.